when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord James. Stately, plump, buck bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Ali Smith. Sissy came up along the strand with the two twins in their ball with her hat anyhow on her to one side after her run and she did look a streel, tugging the two kids along with the flimsy blouse she bought only a fortnight before like a rag on her back and a bit of her petticoat hanging like a caricature. Gertie just took off her hat for a moment to settle her hair and a prettier, a daintier head of nut-brown tresses was never seen on a girl's shoulders, a radiant little vision, in sooth almost maddening in its sweetness. You would have to travel many a long mile before you found a head of hair the like of that. She could almost see the swift answering flush of admiration in his eyes that set her tingling in every nerve. She put on her hat so that she could see from underneath the brim and swung her buckled shoe faster for her breath caught as she caught the expression in his eyes. He was eyeing her as a snake eyes its prey. Her woman's instinct told her that she had raised the devil in him and at the thought a burning scarlet swept from throat to brow till the lovely colour of her face became a glorious rose. Edie Boardman was noticing it too because she was squinting at Gertie half-smiling with her specs like an old maid, pretending to nurse the baby. Irritable little gnat she was, and always would be, and that was why no one could get on with her, poking her nose into what was no concern of hers, and she said to Gertie, Penny for your thoughts. What? replied Gertie with a smile reinforced by the whitest of teeth. I was only wondering, was it late? because she wished to goodness they'd take the snotty-nosed twins and their baby home to the mischief out of that, so that was why she just gave a gentle hint about its being late. And when Sissy came up, Edie asked her the time, and Miss Sissy, as glib as you like, said it was half-past kissing time, time to kiss again, but Edie wanted to know, because they were told to be in early. Wait, said Sissy, I'll ask my Uncle Peter over there what's the time by his conundrum. So over she went, and when he saw her coming, she could see him take his hand out of his pocket, getting nervous, and beginning to play with his watch chain, looking at the church. Passionate nature though he was, Gertie could see that he had enormous control over himself. One moment he had been there, fascinated by a loveliness that made him gaze, and the next moment it was the quiet, grave-faced gentleman, self-control expressed in every line of his distinguished-looking figure. Sissy said, to excuse her, would he mind telling her what was the right time, and Gertie could see him taking out his watch, listening to it, and looking up, and clearing his throat. And he said he was very sorry his watch was stopped, but he thought it must be after eight, because the sun was set. His voice had a cultured ring in it, and though he spoke in measured accents, there was a suspicion of a quiver in the mellow tones. Sissy said, thanks, and came back with her tongue out, and said, uncle said his waterworks were out of order. Then they sang the second verse of the Tantum Ergo and Canon O'Hanlon got up again and sensed the Blessed Sacrament and knelt down and he told Father Conroy that one of the candles was just going to set fire to the flowers and Father Conroy got up and settled it all right and 
She could see the gentleman winding his watch and listening to the works and she swung her leg more in and out in time. It was getting darker but he could see and he was looking all the time that he was winding the watch or whatever he was doing to it and then he put it back and put his hands back into his pockets. She felt a kind of sensation rushing all over her and she knew by the feel of her scalp and that irritation against her stays that that thing must be coming on because the last time too was when she clipped her hair on account of the moon. His dark eyes fixed themselves on her again, drinking in her every contour, literally worshipping at her shrine. If ever there was undisguised admiration in a man's passionate gaze, it was there plain to be seen on that man's face. It is for you, Gertrude McDowell, and you know it. Edie began to get ready to go and it was high time for her and Gertie noticed that the little hint she gave had the desired effect because it was a long way along the strand to where there was the place to push up the push car and Sissy took off the twins' caps and tidied their hair to make herself attractive, of course. And Canon O'Hanlon stood up with his cope, poking up at his neck and Father Conroy handed him the card to read off and he read out Panem de Coelho, Prastitis Tieis and Edie and Sissy were talking about the time all the time and asking her but Gertie could pay them back in their own coin and she just answered with scathing politeness when Edie asked her, was she heartbroken about her best boy throwing her over? Gertie winced sharply. A brief cold blaze shone from her eyes that spoke volumes of scorn immeasurable. It hurt. Oh yes, it cut deep because Edie had her own quiet way of saying things like that she knew would wound like the confounded little cat she was. Gertie's lips parted swiftly to frame the word, but she fought back the sob that rose to her throat, so slim, so flawless, so beautifully moulded it seemed one an artist might have dreamed of. She had loved him better than he knew. Light-hearted, deceiver and fickle like all his sex, he would never understand what he had meant to her, and for an instant there was in the blue eyes a quick stinging of tears. Their eyes were probing her mercilessly, but with a brave effort she sparkled back in sympathy as she glanced at her new conquest them to see. Oh, responded Gertie, quick as lightning, laughing, and the proud head flashed up. I can throw my cap at who I like, because it's leap year. Her words rang out crystal clear, more musical than the cooing of the ring dove, but they cut the silence icily. There was that in her young voice that told that she was not a one to be lightly trifled with. As for Mr Reggie with his swank and his bit of money, she could just chuck him aside as if he was so much filth and never again would she cast as much as a second thought on him and tear his silly postcard into a dozen pieces. And if ever after he dared to presume she could give him one look of measured scorn that would make him shrivel up on the spot. Miss puny little lady's countenance fell to no slight extent and Gertie could see by her looking as black as thunder that she was simply in a towering rage, though she hid it. A little kinnet, because that shaft had struck home for her petty jealousy and they both knew that she was something aloof, apart, in another sphere, that she was not of them and there was somebody else too that knew it and saw it so they could put that in their pipe and smoke it. Edie straightened up baby Boardman to get ready to go and Sissy tucked in the ball in the spades and buckets and it was high time too because the sandman was on his way for Master Boardman Jr and Sissy told him too that Billy Winks was coming and that baby was to go dee-daw and baby looked just too ducky laughing up out of his gleeful eyes and Sissy poked him like that out of fun in his wee fat tummy and baby without as much as by your leave sent up his compliments onto his brand new dribbling bib. Oh my puddin' pie, protested Sis, he has his bib destroyed. The slight contretemps claimed her attention, but in two twos she set that little matter to rights. Gertie stifled a smothered exclamation and gave a nervous cough, and Edie asked, What? 
and she was just going to tell her to catch it while it was flying, but she was ever ladylike in her deportment, so she simply passed it off with consummate tact by saying that that was the benediction, because just then the bell rang out from the steeple over the quiet seashore, because Canon O'Hanlon was up on the altar with the veil that Father Conroy put round him, round his shoulders, giving the benediction with the blessed sacrament in his hands. How moving the scene there in the gathering twilight, the last glimpse of Erin, the touching chime of those evening bells, and at the same time a bat flew forth from the ivied belfry through the dusk, hither, thither, with a tiny lost cry. And she could see far away the lights of the lighthouses, so picturesque she would have loved to do with a box of paints, because it was easier than to make a man. And soon the lamplighter would be going his rounds past the Presbyterian church grounds and along by shady Tritonville Avenue, where the couples walked, and lighting the lamp near her window where Reggie Wiley used to turn his freewheel, like she read in that book, The Lamplighter by Miss Cummins, author of Mabel Vaughan and other tales. For Gertie had her dreams that no one knew of. She loved to read poetry, and when she got a keepsake from Bertha Supple of that lovely confession album with the coral pink cover to write her thoughts in, she laid it in the drawer of her toilet table, which, though it did not err on the side of luxury, was scrupulously neat and clean. It was there she kept her girlish treasures trove, the tortoiseshell combs, her child of Mary badge, the white rose scent, the eyebrow liner, her alabaster pounce-sit box and the ribbons to change when her things came home from the wash, and there were some beautiful thoughts written in it in violet ink that she bought in Healy's of Dame Street, for she felt that she too could write poetry if she could only express herself like that poem that appealed to her so deeply that she had copied out of the newspaper she found one evening round the pot herbs. Art thou real, my ideal, it was called, by Louis J. Walsh Magerafelt. And after there was something about twilight, wilt thou ever? And oft times the beauty of poetry so sad in its transient loveliness had misted her eyes with silent tears that the years were slipping by for her, one by one. And but for that one shortcoming, she knew she need fear no competition, and that was an accident coming down Dalky Hill, and she always tried to conceal it. But it must end, she felt, if she saw that magic lure in his eyes, there would be no holding back for her. Love laughs at locksmiths, she would make the great sacrifice. Her every effort would be to share his thoughts. Dearer than the whole world would she be to him, and gild his days with happiness. There was the all-important question, and she was dying to know, was he a married man or a widower who had lost his wife, or some tragedy like the nobleman with the foreign name from the land of song had to have her put into a madhouse, cruel only to be kind, but even if, what then? Would it make a very great difference? From everything in the least indelicate, her fine-bred nature instinctively recoiled. She loathed that sort of person, the fallen women off the accommodation walk beside the dodder that went with the soldiers and coarse men, with no respect for a girl's honour, degrading the sex and being taken up to the police station. No, no, not that. They would be just good friends, like a big brother and sister without all that other in spite of the conventions of society with a big S. Perhaps it was an old flame he was in mourning for from the days beyond recall. She thought she understood. She would try to understand him because men were so different. The old love was waiting, waiting with little white hands stretched out with blue appealing eyes. Heart of mine, she would follow her dream of love, the dictates of her heart that told her he was her all in all. The only man in all the world for her for love was the master guide. Nothing else mattered. Come what might, she would be wild, untrammeled, free. 
Canon O'Hanlon put the Blessed Sacrament back into the tabernacle and the choir sang Laudate Dominum Omnes Gentes and then he locked the tabernacle door because the benediction was over and Father Conroy handed him his hat to put on and Crosscat Edie asked, wasn't she coming? But Jackie Caffrey called out, Oh, look, sissy! And they all looked, was it sheet lightning? But Tommy saw it too over the trees beside the church, blue and then green and purple. It's fireworks, sissy Caffrey said. And they all ran down the strand to see over the houses in the church. Helter-skelter, Edie with the pushcar, with baby Boardman in it, and Sissy holding Tommy and Jackie by the hand so they wouldn't fall running. Come on, Gertie, Sissy called. It's the bazaar fireworks. But Gertie was adamant. She had no intention of being at their beck and call. If they could run like Rossies, she could sit, so she said. She could see from where she was. The eyes that were fastened upon her set her pulses tingling. She looked at him a moment, meeting his glance, and a light broke in upon her. White-hot passion was in that face, passion silent as the grave, and it had made her his. At last they were left alone without the others to pry and pass remarks, and she knew he could be trusted to the death, steadfast, a sterling man, a man of inflexible honour to his fingertips. His hands and face were working and a tremor went over her. She leaned back far to look up where the fireworks were and she caught her knee in her hands so as not to fall back looking up and there was no one to see, only him and her when she revealed all her graceful, beautifully shaped legs like that, supplely soft and delicately rounded and she seemed to hear the panting of his heart, his hoarse breathing because she knew about the passion of men like that, hot-blooded because Bertha Supple told her once in dead secret and made her swear she'd never about the gentleman lodger that was staying with them out of the congested district board that had pictures cut out of papers of those skirt dancers and high kickers and she said he used to do something not very nice that you could imagine sometimes in the bed. But this was altogether different from a thing like that because there was all the difference because she could almost feel him draw her face to his and the first quick hot touch of his handsome lips. Besides, there was absolution so long as you didn't do the other thing before being married and there ought to be women priests that would understand without your telling out and Sissy Caffrey too sometimes had that dreamy kind of dreamy look in her eyes so that she too, my dear, and Winnie ripping him so mad about actors' photographs, and besides, it was on account of that other thing coming on the way it did. And Jackie Caffrey shouted to Luke. There was another, and she leaned back, and the garters were blue to match on account of the transparent, and they all saw it and shouted to Luke, Luke, there it was, and she leaned back ever so far to see the fireworks, and something queer was flying about through the air, a soft thing to and fro, dark, and she saw a long Roman candle going up over the trees, up, up. And in the tense hush, they were all breathless with excitement as it went higher and higher. And she had to lean back more and more to look up after it, high, high, almost out of sight. And her face was suffused with a divine, an entrancing blush from straining back. And he could see her other things too. Nain soup knickers, the fabric that caresses the skin better than those other petawidth, the green four and eleven, on account of being white. And she let him and she saw that he saw, and then it went so high it went out of sight a moment, and she was trembling in every limb from being bent so far back he had a full view high up above her knee, no one ever, not even on the swing or wading, and she wasn't ashamed, and he wasn't either, to look in that immodest way like that, because he couldn't resist the sight of the wondrous revealment half offered like those skirt dancers behaving so immodest before gentlemen looking, and he kept on looking, 
looking, she would fain have cried to him, chokingly held out her snowy slender arms to him to come, to feel his lips laid on her white brow, the cry of a young girl's love, a little strangled cry wrung from her, that cry that has rung through the ages. And then a rocket sprang and bang shot blind and oh! Then the Roman candle burst and it was like a sigh of oh! And everyone cried oh! Oh! In raptures and it gushed out of it a stream of rain gold hair threads and they shed and ah! They were all greeny dewy stars falling with golden oh so lively oh so soft sweet soft. Then all melted away dewily in the grey air. All was silent. Ah! She glanced at him as she bent forward quickly a pathetic little glance of piteous protest of shy reproach under which he coloured like a girl. He was leaning back against the rock behind. Leopold Bloom, for it is he, stands silent with bowed head before those young, guileless eyes. What a brute he had been at it again. A fair, unsullied soul had called to him, and wretch that he was, how had he answered? An utter cad he had been, he of all men, but there was an infinite store of mercy in those eyes, for him too a word of pardon, even though he had erred and sinned and wandered. Should a girl tell? No, a thousand times no. That was their secret, only theirs alone in the hiding twilight, and there was none to know or tell, save the little bat that flew so softly through the evening to and fro, and little bats don't tell. Sissy Caffrey whistled, imitating the boys in the football field to show what a great person she was, and then she cried, Gertie, Gertie, we're going, come on, we can see from farther up. Gertie had an idea, one of love's little ruses. She slipped a hand into her kerchief pocket and took out the wadding and waved in reply, of course without letting him, and then slipped it back. Wonder if he's too far to... She rose. Was it goodbye? No, she had to go, but they would meet again there and she would dream of that till then, tomorrow, of her dream of yester-eve. She drew herself up to her full height. Their souls met in a last lingering glance and the eyes that reached her heart, full of a strange shining, hung enraptured on her sweet, flower-like face. She half smiled at him wanly, a sweet, forgiving smile, a smile that verged on tears, and then they parted. Slowly, without looking back, she went down the uneven strand to Sissy, to Edie, to Jackie and Tommy Caffrey, to little baby Boardman. It was darker now and there were stones and bits of wood on the strand and slippy seaweed. She walked with a certain quiet dignity characteristic of her, but with care and very slowly because Gertie McDowell was... Tight boots? No. She's lame. Oh. Mr Bloom watched her as she limped away. Poor girl. That's why she's left on the shelf and the others did a sprint. Thought something was wrong by the cut of her jib. Jilted beauty. A defect is ten times worse than a woman. It makes them polite. Glad I didn't know it when she was on show. Hot little devil all the same. Wouldn't mind. Curiosity. Like a nun or a negress or a girl with glasses. That squinty one is delicate. Near her monthlies, I expect. Makes them feel ticklish. I have such a bad headache today. Oh, where did I put the letter? Yes. All right. All kinds of crazy longings. Licking pennies, girl in Tranquilla convent that none told me liked to smell rock oil. Virgins go mad in the end, I suppose. Sister? How many women in Dublin have it today? Martha. She. Something in the air. That's the moon. But then why don't all women menstruate at the same time with the same moon? I mean, depends on the time they were born, I suppose. Or 
all start scratch, then get out of step. Sometimes Molly and Millie together. Anyhow, I got the best of that. Damn glad I didn't do it in the bath this morning over her silly I will punish you letter. Made up for that tram driver this morning, that gouger McCoy, stopping me to say nothing, and his wife engagement in the country valley's voice like a pickaxe. Thankful for small mercies, cheap, too, yours for the asking, because they want it themselves, their natural craving. Shoals of them every evening poured out of offices, reserve better, don't want it, they throw it at you, catch them alive. Oh, pity they can't see themselves, a dream of well-filled hose. Where was that? Oh yes, mutoscope, pictures in Capel Street for men only, peeping Tom, Willie's hat and what the girls did with it. Did they snapshot those girls or is it all a fake? Lingerie, does it? Felt for the curves inside her déshabillé, excites them also when they're... I'm all clean, come and dirty me, and they like dressing one another for the sacrifice. Millie, delighted with Molly's new blouse, at first. Put them all on to take them all off. Molly, why I bought her the violet garters. Us too, the tie he wore, his lovely socks, and turned up trousers. He wore a pair of gaiters the night that first we met. His lovely shirt was shining beneath his spot of jet. Say a woman loses a charm with every pin she takes out. Pinned together. O'Meary lost the pin of her. Dressed up to the nines for somebody. Fashion part of their charm. Just changes when you're on the track of the secret. Except the East. Mary. Martha. Now as then. No reasonable offer refused. She wasn't in a hurry either. Always off to a fellow when they are. They never forget an appointment. Out on spec, probably. They believe in chance because, like themselves, and the others inclined to give her an odd dig. Girlfriends at school, arms round each other's necks or with ten fingers locked, kissing and whispering secrets about nothing in the convent garden. Nuns with whitewashed faces, cool quaff, and their rosaries going up and down, vindictive too for what they can't get. Barbed wire. Be sure now and write to me, and I'll write to you now, won't you? Molly and Josie Powell. Till Mr. Wright comes along, then meet once in a blue moon. Tableau. Oh, look who it is for the love of God. How are you at all? What have you been doing with yourself? Kiss. And delighted to kiss to see you picking holes in each other's appearance. You're looking splendid, sister souls, showing their teeth at one another. How many have you left? Wouldn't lend each other a pinch of salt. Ah. Devils they are when that's coming on them. Dark, devilish appearance. Molly often told me, feel things a ton weight. Scratch the sole of my foot. Oh, that way. Oh, that's exquisite. Feel it myself, too. Good to rest, once in a way. Wonder if it's bad to go with them then. Safe in one way. Turns milk. Makes fiddle strings snap. Something about withering plants I read in a garden. Besides, they say, if the flower withers she wears, she's a flirt. All are, dare say, she felt. Aye. When you feel like that, you often meet what you feel. Liked me or what? Dress they look at. Always know a fellow courting collars and cuffs. Well, cocks and lions do the same, and stags. Same time, might prefer a tie undone or something. Oh, trousers? Suppose I, when I was... No. Gently does it. Dislike, rough and tumble. Kiss in the dark and never tell. Saw something in me. Wonder what? Sooner have me as I am than some poet chap with bear's grease, plastery hair, lovelock over his dexter optic. To aid gentlemen in literary, what to attend to my appearance my age. Didn't let her see me in profile. Still, you never know, pretty girls and ugly men marrying, beauty and the beast. Besides, I can't be so if Molly took off her hat to show her hair, 
wide brim bought to hide her face. Meeting someone might know her, bend down or carry a bunch of flowers to smell, hair strong and rut. Ten bob I got for Molly's combings when we were on the rocks in Hollis Street. Why not? Suppose he gave her money. Why not? All the prejudice, she's worth ten. Fifteen? More? A pound? All that for nothing. Bold hand, Mrs. Marion. Did I forget to write a dress on that letter like the postcard I sent to Flynn? And the day I went to Drimmy's without a necktie, wrangle with Molly it was, put me off. No, I remember. Richie Golding. He's another. Weighs on his mind. Funny my watch stopped at half past four. Dust. Shark liver oil they used to clean. Could do it myself. Say, was that just when he... She... Oh, he did. Into her. She did. Done. Ah.